Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Science of Pokemon. If this is your first time ever listening to us, welcome. Uh, I am Veteran Lucas, and with me, as per usual, is our friend, Professor Collins. What's up, dude? How you been? Uh, we're good. We're good. Uh, it feels kind of odd, like we were just here doing a live episode of, like, recently. But I guess, uh, yeah, uh, you know, we've been doing a lot this summer, so it is kind of good. Uh, for those of you returning, uh, thank you for coming back. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy uh, our special treats this month as well. All right, so according to the docket, do, 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 ah, here it is. We are doing, oh, sweet, we're doing invertebrates. It's invertebrate day. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, so I love invertebrates, love talking about them. Well, if you don't know what an invertebrate is, we'll get into that. But these are mainly the animals that most people forget exist, aside from a few examples, just because they're squishy, they're spineless, they're weird, sometimes they're a little horrifying, and they get overlooked by their less than squishy counterparts with a spine. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I tend to, uh, being an owner of an invertebrate as a pet, I, you know, I've seen people kind of overlook them. I don't know if it's because they feel like they're gross or weird or scary or what. Uh, but, you know, these are a large portion of the animal kingdom, uh, you know, and they are a very early common ancestors for majority of life on the planet. And, you know, I think that they uh, are rather important. We have a lot that we can learn about it. Uh, and, you know, without our invertebrate ancestors, you know, none of us would be standing up straight now. Fair point. Now, we're going to go into this, going to have a lot of fun, but make sure not to say anything bad about them or you'll make an anemone out of me. Did, yeah, I, did no. I do that right? No. No? Yeah, we're good. Oh. Let's cue the music, please. Oh. So the one thing I wanted to get started with when it comes to invertebrates is letting you, Professor, and letting the audience know that they are special and that they are unique and that you should feel proud of that. Oh, thank you. Now, the reason I'm stating is isn't the sappy nonsense that they teach in children's shows, but scientifically speaking, uh, you are a vertebrate, which means you're one of only 57,000 or so animals that have a backbone compared to the rest of the animal kingdom. Now, the vertebrates make up 57,000 species. Invertebrates, animals without a backbone, make up well over 2 million, with millions more just not being identified due to not having the time or resources. We make up 2.8% of the animal kingdom. That's not just us as humans, that is you, me, the fish, the birds, reptiles, bears, everything with a backbone. We live on a planet dominated by invertebrates. This was their planet first, and um, they are our ancestors. These animals have been around for such a long time, and that most are found still in the oceans today because they never really needed to leave because they dominated their environment. Um, even the relatively few disadvantages of being an invertebrate, being a simple animal, are well eclipsed by their advantages. These animals can regenerate super quickly. These animals can live in some of the harshest climates on Earth. They can breed sexually and asexually whenever they feel like it just to have a better condition of life and we wait forget that. wait wait so they can do self-pleasure or find a partner indeed no that's pretty much exactly it and they do this most of them don't even have a brain and yet we consider ourselves like the superior type of animal it's not so much like a human-centric view it's a vertebrate 
centered group. Like the only animals that really matter are the ones with backbones, but the ones without backbones are usually the ones that keep our world together. So I'm going to go through a quick list of some of the um the phylas, the um the groups of invertebrates that you can that most people know about and give a couple of different definitions. So we'll start from the most basic and we'll uh, work our way down. So the first group is um phylum porifera. So uh, these are the sea sponges. These are the simplest animals on the planet. They're so simple, they don't even have muscle tissue. Like, they're plenty without nerves and organs, but these guys don't even have true tissues. Uh, they have a body wall consisted of specialized cells that will filter water into their midsection and allow them to filter feed. Now, keep this in mind. There's like 57,000 um, vertebrate species. Just in sponges alone, they have 5,000 identified species. So that is more than the mammals. That is very impressive for, again, super simple animal. Uh, next up are the cnidarians. So um, the jellies, uh, the corals, the anemones. So most things that people know about these animals are they sting, which is exactly right. These are animals that specialize in stinging whatever touches them. It doesn't matter whether it's a coral near the Florida Keys or a jelly floating off the coast of New England. These animals will constantly try and sting. Uh, what's important to understand about them, though, is that they are incredibly dominant throughout the ecosystem. There's well over like 11,000 different species of these types of animals because these animals, being so simple, breed very, very well. Um, coral and anemones specifically, they're the ones that can breed sexually if they choose so or asexually, depending on the situation. Uh, next up, we have the um, platyhelminthes. Uh, so you might not have heard of the word, but these are the flatworms. So flatworms, uh, a lot of um, them get famous because they're the ones in science class. They are class. adorable. They are adorable, but in science class, you cut them in half, and instead of committing worm murder, you are actually making sure that you're getting two of them. So their regenerative abilities allow them to make two of themselves just by being cut in half. Now. They also have a really cool feature, um, the little black spots on the face that look like eyes. They are effectively the first eyes. They're photosensors. They allow them to the sense the change in light. Now that's a really cool benefit to have because instead of just floating around and filter feeding, now you can hunt. Now you can look specifically for food. And that makes our way to the next group of worms, nematoda, of uh, the roundworms. And as far as when it goes to widespread, the only other group of animals that are more widespread than the nematodes are going to be um, the arthropods, and we'll get to them. The nematodes, um, they are on almost every continent. Actually, no, wait, they are in every continent. They are some in Antarctica. These things are mostly parasitic. There's a very large group of them that are parasitic. There's some that are, some that aren't. They're near microscopic. Uh, they cause a bunch of different diseases. Um, the most common that most people will know in the States are hookworm and whipworm that's caused oh, by yeah. a nematode. Mm. Affects some um, uh, humans and livestock. Yeah, they're really uh, uh, next... gross when they uh, have to take it out. Oh, no, it's they're usually pretty nasty to begin with, but they are important to an ecosystem as well because parasitism is just another way of survival. It's just not pleasant for the food. Next up, we have rotifera, which are the rotifers. And nobody studies rotifers at all. Wait, why? They are boring. They're just boring. They're just a really weird little animal. The coolest thing about them is that uh, their mouth part work like um, uh, like buzz saws, like munching away at algae. I'm putting this section in there to let you know that if you would like a job that no one else wants, go study rotifers because there's only four experts of them alive, and I would like somebody to do it because looking up this stuff is really boring. <laughs> Next up. We have mollusca. Mollusca, this is the one a lot of people are familiar with just because it's on their 
plate. Uh, Mollusca has a very wide group, including your bivalves, which are your clams and mussels and oysters. It has your gastropoda, which are snails and slugs. And then it also has their cousins, these squids and octopuses. All of um, these animals share the ability to um, create a shell or in some cases still contain the, um, the mantle that secretes the shell to keep them safe. It's really cool to see that like these, you would never think that a clam and an octopus are related, but they are in the same group. And it's really cool to see what they have in common. Uh, they even have parts of their muscular foot left behind. Ew. But um, as far as intelligence goes, yeah, no, the octopus is smarter than the clam. It's just that one smart cousin. All right, so next up is uh, one I want to talk about just a little bit. Um, we have the annelid, annelida. These are the segmented worms. This is um, the point we come to earthworms and leeches. So segmented animals with specialized organs, almost brain-like receptors throughout the body. These animals have a full digestive tract, so it goes in one end and out the other, which is something a lot of the other animals didn't have. Uh, but I want to ask you something. Um, do we have any worm Pokemon? Uh... Dunsparce, but that's like a mythos. Yeah, it's like a. We don't actually have a worm no. Pokemon, which is weird. Like, which is why we are gonna do an episode here live very soon on Pokemon that we think should exist. I, I do enjoy the shameless plug-in, but yes, he is correct. Uh, we will, but eventually, I just want to yell if Pokemon's listening, make me a worm. Make a worm. <laughs> Turn him into a worm. That's what he just asked. I heard it. You heard him too. You all heard it too. One or the other. I'll be impressed with both. Make me into a worm or make the fl- make um make a worm Pokemon. One or the two. Either way, very impressive. All right. So <laughs> next up, now this one actually gained a lot of steam in pop culture. This is um Tardigrata. Uh, the Tardigrades. Water bears. Oh, they're so cute. They are so cute. And people talk about how like oh they can stand up to extreme heat and extreme cold, lack of oxygen. They can stand being kicked in the face. Uh, a lot of people forget that um, being fireproof doesn't stop you from being eaten. So they are very much still a major food source for a lot of animals. Just just so you know, they're, they're super immortal to conditions that they'll never have to experience. <laughs> uh, next up um, is arthropoda. Now, the arthropods, we had a bug episode already. We definitely have enough material for more than one. Uh, and we'll be talking about uh, more of the arthropods next week. But just so you guys are aware, just a quick recap. Arthropods, hard-chilled animals, took over the planet, can do whatever they want, be wherever they want. Nothing can stop them. Moving on. Uh, this next one, um, it's the last one we'll go over. Um, this is um, Echinodermata. Uh, these are the Echinoderms. So these are actually the closest invertebrates. Uh, to us, to us, the vertebrates. These are our closest relatives, and they include the sea stars, sea cucumbers, and sea urchins. Uh, the reason they're closely related to us is because their cells split in a very unique way that only them and um, other vertebrates split. So one thing you should know about them is that they do all have a tube-feet system, a complex eternal structure. They are powered by water, and most people review them pretty positively out of all the invertebrates people love sea stars and people eat sea cucumbers and sea urchins they're one of the few that are like not utterly despised but uh, I'll, I'll fix that so with that those are just some of the common ones people know and of one or two they don't uh there are well over 30 phylums and I just named like a few of them there's a bunch more that I could have added but I didn't want you to fall asleep they're everywhere they are in everything. They're in your drinking water. They're under your skin. They're in your eyelashes. Yeah. They are everywhere. And we have actually a 
decent number of Pokemon that are based on them. So without further ado, let's get to the gushy science. Okie dokie, so let's go ahead and get to the one invertebrate Pokemon that I'm sure everybody knows. Let's talk about Tentacool. So Tentacool is actually based on two animals, two invertebrates. It's based on jellies and it's based on a little bit of squid, but we'll talk about squid a little bit. Uh, while going through the Pokestick entry, I, I found some good stuff. I found stuff like um, they drift aimlessly and they're mostly made of water, which is true. These animals don't have any real control where they go and they are slaves to the current of life. Uh, also, they get 90% water, so they dry out super easily, which is why most of them are going to try and stay as much in the water as possible. Uh, there was one thing, let's see if I can pull it up, ah, uh, from Pokemon Sapphire, uh, let's read this Pokedex here, Tentacool absorbs sunlight and reflects, refracts it using water inside its body to convert it to beam energy. This Pokemon shoots beams from its crystal-like eyes. Hmm. Terrifying. Terrifying. It's just also really weird. Alright, so let me break that down. Tentacool is absorbing sunlight. Yes. So they can. it's a plant? So there are species like coral that are related to them that have learned to sequester algaes into their body and allow them to absorb sunlight and in turn they eat their poop, which is effectively sugar. For jellies, there's actually is a species called the golden jelly that 12,000 years ago we believe it adapted algae in a very similar manner and now there's a very unique group of jelly that can absorb sunlight. And it's really cool that they can do that. The rest of this is garbage. <laughs> refracting it to turn it to beam energy, shooting beams from their eyes. Jellies don't have eyes. They don't need them. Eyes are expensive. That's what I was always taught in college. Eyes are expensive. They are one of the highest cost evolutionary items to have. In order to have like really, really good eyes, you have to have a really complex system to keep it going, complex system of maintenance, all of that. And, not and even, a good eye doctor. Uh, yeah, you more than just a good eye doctor. You need to be able to have a good food doctor, a good leg doctor. Everything revolves around eyes, especially in humans. We're visually based. They don't, they don't need any of that. Now, um, the one thing I will mention about the sting, a lot of people make this mistake with jellies and corals, so I'm going to fix it for you. SpongeBob was wrong. It is not an electrical shock. <laughs> wait, wait, does someone actually believe that? People believe that when they touch an ebony no. jellies, is it going to shock me? Because they watch well, it. No. Yeah, no. What it more it's less like an electric shock and more like thousands and thousands of tiny harpoons filled with poison ejecting into your skin. It's kinda like kinda like a like a uh, a bee stinger almost. Yeah, imagine thousands of tiny little bee stingers just bee clinging stingers. onto your skin and then ejecting. So like if you've ever if you if you've ever seen like the Spider Man movies, uh the I think it was the original ones, and Toby Maguire's hand had like the little hooked hairs on it. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like for the jellyfish when it latches onto you. It's all those little hooks going into your, your skin at once. Yeah, now a little fun fact for you. Uh, use vinegar and that'll deal with the problem for the, some of the lesser species. So Wait, but this amazing documentary called Friends told me that if you pee on it, it will also help. So the reason that exists, and I'm not going to laugh at it because that is something a lot of people believe, and it has some background to it. You Ammonia is really good for dealing with the problem. Your urine should not have that amount of ammonia in it. 
Like that's another. What are you drinking? Yeah, like what is wrong with your system? Like if you have that much ammonia in your system, you need to go visit a hospital before you went to the beach. No, vinegar is actually <laughs> kept in beaches in Australia and other jellyfish um populated areas. It has saved lives before. So if you're going to the beach, take some vinegar with you. Take some chips along with it so you don't look like a weirdo. You know, just these are things that will help out. Um, also, they say that they bite, which these animals don't have teeth. Um, and they don't I, have mouths. They don't have a butt. They do have a mouth. The mouth. The, the, their mouth is not the same as like what we would imagine a mouth, though. Yeah, no, it's an opening. So it just opens in, food goes in, gets digested, gets um, spit back out. So it's a mouth and a butt at the same time. We call it an oral cavity. Mouth butt. That's what I call it at work. Mouth butt. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm uh, happy now. Now, the next one, uh, another one from Gen 1, uh, we're going to talk about Shelder, the clam. So, um, Shelder is one of those Pokemon that gets overlooked by its much bigger, scarier evolution. Uh, but what's important to understand is that the design has a couple of things wrong from a biological standpoint. Obviously, they don't need it to be correct for a kid's game, but I'm a nitpick. It's what I do. Uh, so, first off, that's not its tongue. That's its foot. Just so you oh. know. That's, that is not a tongue. Look, at it, it's a foot. So most bivalves are going to have this feature. All bivalves have the two shells that open and close to keep them safe, but they almost all have and use a muscular foot inside their body. Now that muscular foot gets pumped with blood, it grows larger, and they're able to um, use it like a like, like a shovel they, there. Able to, it, they dig with it, yeah. And they, can yeah. they pull themselves with it too then? Uh-huh. They can. They can pull themselves to the ground. Like, And a lot of people think, like, oh, it's probably not that fast. It's probably... No, there are some clams that can dig one inch per second. So That's in crazy. Tw- in 12 seconds, they are foot down, and that is they keep themselves safe. And so and it's really cool. You're um, not second, catching that. <laughs> no, you're not. Like, unless you're a stingray, and stingray is adapted to suck them out of the ground. So you have to... That's why um when you go scalloping or you go looking for clams, a lot of times you have to dig to find them, or you have to just be... Like right on your game. So the reason that these animals know where um uh, what's coming after them is that well while Shelter doesn't have eyes like it does um in the game, clams have um photosensors all throughout their body that allows them to feel. So when they open up, they're able to sense the difference in light. So if something very quickly covers the sun. Now there has to be like, oh no, something's coming. Dig, 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 and that's usually how they'll stay alive. Uh, some other animals. Like- is that like like uh, then what uh, early eyes did essentially? Yes, that is what early eyes are. If you ever want to test this out for yourself, what early life is like, find a light source, stare at it with your eyes closed, then pass your hand over your eyes while it's closed. That will be that is how they see. That is how these animals are looking. So give That's that a try cool. at home. It gives you an idea of what um, these animals do. Um, second thing I'll mention about shelter before moving on. I don't know why it's biting Slowbrook's tail. I tried. I can't even find like a mythological reason for them biting onto its tail. It's just a thing I don't understand. Help me figure this out. I don't know why. Why? You got anything? No. Nope. Not a thing from you? Nope. All right, fine. Moving on. Next up, Gastrodon. So as a teacher, have you ever had like a student like completely clearly not know the answer, but somehow guess it 100% right? Uh, sure. Yeah, you, you, I'm sure every teacher's had that moment where it's just I, like... I yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't usually do things that have, uh... I try not to do things that have, uh, answers like that. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, for Pokemon, I feel like they wrote a bunch of stuff down, and that's how they created Gastrodon, and it is almost entirely accurate to it. Like, I don't know if they just chose this random animal to be entirely accurate, but Gastrodon is based off the Nudibranchs, also known as the Sea Slug, and it is downright pristine. Like, like, okay, let me go through this. So, they say it can regenerate parts of its body, which it can. It can regenerate large parts of its body, given time. It doesn't take a few hours to do so, like it says in the game, but that's that's fine. It, it mentions how um, slugs used to have um, shells in ancient times. That's correct! No, slugs adapted from snails. Like, they decided to lose the shell entirely. That is really really cool they even mention what they eat properly they mention that they eat plankton which is what most nudibranchs are going to consume i am absolutely astounded that they got this right they mentioned how they all look very different which if you ever look up nudibranchs it's one of the most relaxing ways to spend a few minutes because they're so beautiful they have so many vibrant colors the <laughs> one the one thing i would add because it would make it more fun is that if the different ones, you know how one side was like the blue and pink, yeah. I would love to see that the blue one ate like algae and whatnot. I would love to see the pink ones eat shelters because that is what a lot of sea snails and slugs will do. Mostly the snails, but um, the, re the way that snails can um, munch and destroy plant life and algae is because of an organ called the radula. Mm. Now the radula is like a tongue mixed with a chainsaw. It's designed mm. to rape away at the algae but they can also use it as a cutting tool so what will happen is they'll so find swiss like army say tongue. repeat that what was that swiss army tongue swiss army tongue yes so it's really cool because they can just scrape into the shell of a clam or in this case a shelter and just start slowly digging and digging away and it makes this perfect little hole when people come down to the beach here they find mommy mommy look the shell is a perfect hole it's made to be a necklace no little betsy that was eaten by a snail and it is dead like that that's what that was you're just you picked up the body <laughs> you picked up left behind it is very macabre but you're right it does make a lovely necklace but it should be noted that um uh snails and slugs can be just as much as jerks as everything else but again you get the um uh, science of pokemon podcast stamp of approval gastrodon I, you've earned it way to go i think it's adorable it is adorable and useful it is. All right. So, so the next one is Malamar, one that got ignored. What? It's a lot. not even a water Pokemon. What is it doing it, here? <laughs> yes. Okay. Admittedly, it is not a water Pokemon. You don't even go dark. here. <laughs> yeah. Like, they made it psychic dark and they made it hypnotize things and it's kind of a jerk. Like, literally, the Pokedex, it states how so, this Pokemon is, is collected by evildoers to hypnotize is it like, evil Is it like things. a cuddlefish then? Or is it like a squid? No, it is. Is it a squid? It, it is a squid. Okay. It is a squid. And because it is a squid, um, it's a special kind of squid, one found only in Japan. They are related to clams. Oh, no way. You don't say. Yes, yes, yes. Japan using Japanese animals. Um, But this one is really special. Because even though these animals are related to squids and octopuses, uh, octopuses and like these animals don't have like a hard shell. It's the downside. You don't. You're squishy. You're vulnerable. You're easy to pick apart. And so these animals had to find other ways to defend themselves.
themselves. In most cases, it's their extreme intelligence, but also their chromatophores. These are the pigments in their skin that are able to change and a second's notice. And they don't even need to be connected to the brain to do it. They actually disconnected parts of the brain for the squid, and they were able to still reconnect and shape to whatever the body needs. It's fascinating. Some can even change their texture to it, but that's what most of these animals do. This animal is a bioluminescent squid. It is one that um, uh, lights up like a blue Christmas tree, and that's how it'll fend itself by lighting up. Now, most times, <laughs> don't eat me. I'm toxic. Well, that's what most people would think, but no, um, it's actually a delicacy in Japan, and a lot of animals want to eat them. What they are doing is a rare form of camouflage called counter illumination. Most people would think that shining a big light on yourself is literally a bullseye, but for them, they've learned differently. For these animals, if you are, let's say, swimming in the moonlight and you are this, this dark shadow blocking out the light, well, that means that, oh, hey, that's the silhouette of something I'm going to eat. So to, um, to fix that, they light up their bodies corresponded to how the light from the moon and the stars is refracted into the ocean. So if you were to look up, the squid will have its belly lit up in the same way that the moonlight is reflecting on top of it and above it's crazy if you're looking down it'll have that darker pattern they can change the different parts of their body depending on so it's not like all one color they can change up the color and texture completely that is i know it's awesome it's so cool craziness now obviously they are still eaten again that's what most people know about them but it's important to realize that it's such a cool way of defending themselves because it goes against everything that people would think about defending yourself you don't hide from the light you use the light to your advantage that is just the simplest way it could go about it these animals have like the perfect camouflage in some cases they're intelligent they're cool which is why we have a bonus fact here uh octillery should not have rock head you all should feel awful about what you did, Pokemon. Octopuses are smart and squishy. Why did you make it rough rockhead? Why did you make it a hard-bodied animal, you swines? I don't think it... I don't think... I actually think that one... Because rockhead's the ability, right? Where they don't take recoil? Yeah, they don't take recoil. Like, rockhead. Um, so, I, I think it has less to do with it having a hard head and more of the fact that... I think it's saying, like, it's shock absorption. Oh. Okay, Pokemon, to take back the swine comment. I am less angry now. I, I would I would almost assume that uh, the translation for Rockhead uh, in J- Japanese would be different. I know that that happens a lot with a lot of attacks. Like we t- um, when we were doing research on some of the yokai stuff, there's a couple of attacks that tie into that, um, and it, it's just it's a different uh, it's a different translation, uh, and so it makes sense in like the localized version. Mm-hmm. Just not so much when it's translated. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, in Japan, it is... No, we can't find it. Can't find it? No. I'm looking at what the names of it are. I just pulled it up quick. Uh... Oh, the Japanese... Nope, it's actually called Rockhead in Jap- Japan. Okay, sweet. I don't know. I give up. <laughs> oh, sweet. Pokemon, you're still swines. Congratulations. No, still awful. Still a dumb I, idea. I, I don't know. I mean, like... So wait, it, it gets this ability? It's an ability. It's Rockhead. Like it's I don't just... see it. I don't see Octillery. I'm looking at the Rockhead. I don't see Octillery on here at all. Let's see that right now. Hang on. I might be wrong. No, we're pausing. You are wrong. I don't see it anywhere, man. 
thought it got rocket. I swore it got rocket, and I was so angry. And no, it gets like rock blast. I think. No, 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 no. Folks, here we're pausing the show here for a moment. Give me one second. We are researching this. I'll pull up my notes. I'm telling you, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, let's see what abilities it gets. I know it is. It gets suction cup sniper or moody. Huh. Well, I was completely wrong. We're gonna keep. It gets the move. It gets the move Rock Blast. Oh, that's why I probably messed up. I thought it got Rockhead. No, everything. No, but that's fine. only that's only, and that's only from breeding, and it gets it from Omnite and Corsola. Yeah. No, I was completely wrong. Well done. No, no, it's good. Making sure I mess up, it's gonna be great for great for ratings. But yeah, yo, you're no. This actually all <laughs> this all makes sense. Yeah, I've actually met some Moody We're so good at editing. We'll edit it all out. <laughs> uh, yes, we will edit it all. So like, we'll pause for a moment. Yes, the, there's nothing absolutely wrong with Octillery. Everything is fine. Please enjoy your program. Moving on. Besides the uh, the terrible substandard stats that make it unusable, but yeah. Uh, moving on to the next Pokemon that is perfectly okay. So we're going to wrap up on the, um, the last Pokemon directly I want to talk about, and that is Staryu, because it is my favorite invertebrate Aww. in the Pokemon game. Mine too. So it's just one of those cool Pokemon you always I mean, remember. I love, I love Tentacool and Tentacruel, but I love Staryu and Starmie too. They're great. Oh, they're beautiful, beautiful Pokemon, and they've always been so fun. And Did they've been know? useful in oh, Japan. What? In Japan, it makes that same stupid noise. That sound, yeah, really. Yeah, my friend uh, Kazuya, uh, when he was over and we were playing way back, God, it was like twelve years ago. Uh, we were playing Super Smash on the GameCube. And I remember he kept making jokes about it. He was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, is that really what it does over there? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the sound. Oh, oh my gosh. No, but uh, th this Pokemon is one of those other ones that um, it got some stuff right. And then some stuff was weird. So let's go with the right stuff first. Um, the one thing that people talk about in the Pokedex, and they bring it up constantly in the Pokedex, is how this um, Pokemon is famous for its regeneration, which is 100% correct. This animal is by far one of the coolest regenerating animals on the planet. And to demonstrate that, I'm going to tell you a story. Story okay. time's the best time. So, a long time ago, there was a group of fishermen who decided that their mussel industry was getting ripped apart by the sea stars. Sea stars were eating all their mussels, and they thought, you know what? We need to get rid of them, even though it's illegal. So, they went out on boats, and they started killing them. You know what they used to kill them? Harpoons. Hatchets and knives. They cut them into tiny pieces, threw them back in, got themselves a beer, presumably, and said, job well done. Oh, no. Oh, yes. If you don't know what's coming, it's great. Turns out, as long as a piece of the central disc of a sea star is alive, it can start regrowing again. So if you cut them in half... You get two sea stars if they survive the stress. They created more of a problem, wiped out all the muscles in the area, and they went to jail. <laughs> so the moral of the story is read a high school science textbook before you do something stupid. <laughs> Idiot. Oh, but no, these animals have an amazing ability to regenerate. And in the Pokedex, they say that um, that the as long as its red core is intact, it can keep coming back. And that is 100% how they work. These animals can take months, not hours, to regrow. But I, I've even seen a sea star who had a small injury on its the top part of its arm. And instead of just healing over, it just grew another front portion of its arm. So it had like... 
it had five limbs, then it had a little nub coming out like a sec, like an extra foot. Uh, the fun thing I will leave out though is um, uh, with Sea Stars, uh, they do have a mouth. But have you ever played um, Pokemon, the Pokemon Ami thing, where you like feed them th- food? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they try feeding C- uh, uh, Starmie and uh, Staryu to through like the gem. That that that's not how sea stars eat. It's far more terrifying. So well, how they will generally eat? Uh, first off, their mouth is on the other side. Say, they definitely like, Second, push it out. Oh, it, it, yeah, they push out their stomach. They'll grab a clam shelter. Again, everything gets eats shelter. I'm sorry, everything eats it. It'll grab the shelter. It'll pry it open using its feet. And then its stomach will come out of the mouth, into the shelter, digest everything inside while it's still alive, then put the stomach back in its mouth, and just walk away. There is nothing that a sea star will not eat if it is faster than it. Granted, that is a very low bar, but clams don't move that much, so they're usually easy to find, especially things like mussels and oysters too. They're not exactly the moving type, so it makes it really easy to grab them and eat them. They also eat other sea stars too, so cannibalism is still on the menu. Oh. Yeah, fun. Now, finally, um, I do want to harp on this part again. I wanted to leave this again for the... I, I made jokes about it, but like, seriously, Pokemon, give me a worm. Give me a worm, Pokemon. I, I talked about this on one of my panels when I did Pokemon Science for the first time, uh, that there really aren't that many worm Pokemon, and I wanted to suggest at least one. It's just one I'm going to suggest just to taste before we do a live episode about this stuff. There's one worm that is named after a woman serial killer. It is called the Bobbit Worm. Okay. Have you ever heard of it? No. So the Bobbit Worm typically lives down on the ocean floor. Now, when you think worms, you think, oh, it's about like a few inches long. This worm can get up to 10 feet long, and it's part of a group of uh, worms called the jawed worm. They don't have true jaws. What they have are two giant pincers that just come from the side, grab their prey, and then drag it to the bottom and then digest it. Mm. Like, it is done in a flash. It is horrifying and terrible. And they will grab fish. They will eat the vertebrates. They do not care about the pecking order of vertebrates and inverts. So anything they can grab is on their menu. I mean, you can also do leeches. How hard is it to do a leech? The leech would be really useful too. You just like have it suck around a Pokemon, be like a poison type, be parasitic or something. Ooh, you know what? Velvet worm. They literally shoot toxic goo from the front of them. Come on, toxic goo. Yeah. You can work with that. I promise. There's, there's, it's already got gunk shot built into it. Come on, guys. Work with me. All right, I think that's all the invertebrates I had time for. I had a bigger list, but again, time constraints. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Yes. Alrighty, guys, that's it for another super fun episode. I hope you guys have a better appreciation for the inverts that make up your daily life, including the ones living on your skin. Anyway, uh, a few announcements. First off, we are on the YouTubes. Yay! We, we actually expanded not just to Podbean and iTunes. We are now on YouTube, and I'll be posting a link on our normal iTunes and our Podbean to send to people if they're listening on YouTube. Um, if you are listening already, welcome. Glad to have you. Um, hopefully, I wish we had some visuals and stuff to show you, like dancing cat. I don't know. What are, what are people on YouTube like? D- cats? Wish we had cats. Cats oh. and conspiracy theories. Cubone is actually a Kangaskhan. <laughs> what, what was your conspiracy theory? <laughs> Cubone is actually the war didn't end in Pokemon. The war rages on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um... <laughs> 
Team Plasma was government funded. I mean, <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. Now we're that side. Now we're that channel. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, um, YouTube is also where we'll be having our live episode, um, and you'll have more on that deal. I will let you guys know from my send, me, um, veteran Lucas, I'll be going to Dragon Con in Atlanta, one of my favorite conventions in the whole wide world, and I'll be part of a panel on Pokemon science, on Monster Hunter science, and about bringing things to life with science and how it can go horribly wrong. So, I will post info on that in a later episode, but for now, uh, you have all our live episode information. Okay, so we're going to be live on Monday, August 27th at 8pm Eastern. So, this is going to be a very special, as this time we need your input, 100%. Uh, we're going to be discussing creatures from the Animal Kingdom that we feel belong in the Pokemon games. Mm. So, you too can send suggestions, either our Facebook page, or through our Facebook group, or by emailing us. All you need to do is give us the animal or organism, why you think it needs to be represented in the Pokemon games, as in, so like, what makes it worth uh, putting in these games, and uh, what its build would be, essentially. So it's moves, typing, and so forth. Um, we want to hear from you guys, so give us your input here and your suggestions, and we will share them on air. Oh yeah, and uh, remember, like he said, it can be animal or organism, any living thing, even if it's a dead thing. Come on, give us whatever suggestions you got. Yeah, we, we really, uh, and... and uh, veteran Lucas and I are going to come up with uh, some of our own. We're not going to share them with each other, and we're going to see how that turns out. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, please subscribe on Podbean or iTunes uh, so you can stay up to date. And please just give us a five-star review on iTunes. We do appreciate everyone who's been doing that. Um, you know, We appreciate everyone liking the page. Again, the more help you give us, the easier it's going to be as we expand this fall and look for uh, sponsorship. Oh, yeah. Now, again, feel free to subscribe on Pile Beans and iTunes, as we always say. Not, not too fancy. We have our email, pokescience at yahoo.com. Some people hate social media. We get it. Talk to us there. We've had some great feedback from there, as well as our social media. Yeah, and you can always find us the Pokey Science page on Facebook or the Science of Pokemon group on Facebook as well. You know, facebook.com slash group slash science of Pokemon. Uh, you know, and just come check us out. Have a chat with us. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's been very uh, supportive thus far. No, we love hearing from you guys. Like us. Like he said, you liking means sponsorship. Sponsors me that I want to open a Patreon. No, Patreon means you don't have to pay for me ranting and getting octillery stats wrong because that's going to keep happening more than likely. Yeah, so uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm pretty excited uh, for this new video and audio content that we have going forward. So we look forward to seeing you guys next time. See you in the crustacean episode. Bye-bye, everybody. Peace out.